They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. Prepare to have your mind blown. And welcome to a Swapcast. What's up, Randy? Hey, how's it going, Juan? Doing all right, brother. Make sure to follow me. My name's Juan. I'm from the Juan Juan Podcast. It'll be a Swapcast. So for the listeners on Randy's RSS feed, my name's Juan from the Juan Juan Podcast. I run a crazy conspiracy cuckoo woo woo podcast. And you can find me on <laughs> yeah. social media at the Juan Juan Podcast anywhere uh patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast for exclusive content and randy can you plug your stuff so my listeners absolutely can check out. i'm randy from the red thread podcast you can find me in most podcast outlets um also over there on odyssey at red thread podcast got a few things up there and uh random fracks on instagram so go take a look if you're following one you may very well run into me as his follower so that's always awesome but uh, yeah, man, I'm stoked to be here. Glad to be talking with you this fine evening. You mentioned some stuff, bro, that got me intrigued already before we started recording. You said <laughs> the moon is made of plasma. What are you? What are you talking about, bro? Oh, you ever you ever uh, heard of Crow Triple Seven? No, I, I mean, is that a band? Uh, okay, no, uh, it's it's a podcaster much like us. He does his own research and he spends a lot of his time filming the sun. Oh, and Crow Triple Seven. No, right. I'm about somebody else. <laughs> No, this guy, uh, I mean, he filmed uh, a, an effect, right? Uh, a visual effect that he captured on video. And uh, if you go look at his work, you can see this thing. It's called the Lunar Wave. And have you ever videotaped a computer screen or a, usually an older TV and you see that rolling kind of line kind of roll down the screen as you're filming it? So he's filming the moon and essentially the same effect happens. So uh, the story goes, he, he essentially puts that information out and in his mind, he mistakenly called it a hologram, right? Because um, that, that lends a lot of credibility to simulation theory. 
if you're throwing around words like hologram. <laughs> so um, since then, he's he's cleared that up and, and just said there's some form of an effect. You know, it, he's not 100 percent sure what it is. He just filmed the thing. And since then, more and more people have captured this this effect, this kind of resetting of the optical disk of the moon. And it's it's weird because it happens so regularly. Uh, if you capture it once, you may very well capture it twice. And it's just so reminiscent of like when you take out your camera and you're filming your TV and you get a weird kind of effect. So um, that just to me, what that signifies or speaks to is, OK, so there's maybe a projected illusion, something going on here that that isn't just the solid face of the moon. Right. Um, and if it is just the solid face of the moon, what is in front of it that's moving, you know, to, to cause this optical effect? So these are some thought processes, you know, I worked through a little bit and like my conclusion with putting everything together, man, I got to be upfront. I'm down with every conspiracy theory, with every esoteric kind of school of thought. Right. And so in looking into all sorts of different things, you know, NASA is a lie, <laughs> you know, Freemasons, I mean, across the board, all the way to um, cymatic star theory which is interesting in itself. Maybe we can get into that in a minute. But um, as far as the moon being a plasma effect, back in the, oh, geez, it was right before they went to the moon on ABC or NBC, one of these national uh, news companies, we have an interview that's broadcast of a, a, a doctor or, you know, a scientist, we'll just say a scientist for this, uh, for purposes here. They interviewed a scientist and he was talking about well, how can man land on the moon when the moon is a plasma effect? So this could a either be a psyop to persuade us that, you know, there's nothing going on. It's just the plasma effect or uh, B. This is the one. This is what I find weird. This is the one clip of this interview that they allowed to get out disclosing the truth, which if you're into conspiracies, you know about the like karmic balance way that they portray everything that they're going to do or have done to you, but just stamp a, a thing on it and call it fiction or, you know, stamp a thing on it and call it a conspiracy theory, right? Just labels. Yeah. That's, that's the uh, go-to. It's created by the CIA. Right. It's, and it makes sense. Look at psychology, right? They've got it down. <laughs> you know what I mean? They really do. Look at the mass manipulation going on. They've got us on lock. <laughs> no matter, you know, no matter how, uh, you know, awake or, woke or whatever we like to think we are dude we're just playing the game that they built the structure for that's that's it we're still just players you know what i mean and um but anyway so i start looking at these effects uh in the moon and i'm like well that's interesting you know and i was like what if he's the only guy that caught it and then another guy caught it on film and then another guy and i start listening more and more to you know different podcasts trying to find out what's going on start listening about uh, inner earth, you know, Agartha, mm -hmm. um, start finding out about things like the world trees, you know, that, that may very well have been cut down and became these mesas, these, you know, buttes. And, um, so, I mean, this is all wild all over the place stuff that just fits way outside of the box of thought that we're all taught to kind of think in, um, you know, and, and, uh, we're all taught to not daydream and focus on our work and, they tell us think outside the box, but meanwhile, you better have the answers for what's in the box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of this 
yeah. this thing. And, and we all went through it, you know, going to school. We've, we've all been sufficiently programmed to, you know, be a cog in the wheel of this giant world system that we're all in, whether we want to admit it or not, you know, we are in. Um, so I was like, okay, is this the the lie that they're telling uh, that they allowed to get out accidentally or is this the small truth that they put out there in such a weird way making the scientists look nuts you know especially when they came out a few years later and actually went there i put air quotes right <laughs> they actually went there uh, when they when they launched that satellite and the moon rang you hear about that one and i believe it was well, the yeah, 60s there's or 70s. so much to it and it's like all right well what's an illusion you know what i mean is this optical effect uh rolling over the moon the illusion is the story about going there the illusion landing on something that may very well be a projection or hologram or is there like so much more to it that we're getting all these weird little pieces so i put that together in my own head and kind of came to a strange conclusion and that's what if it's all of the above to some extent, right? Like what if it involves so much more that we're not seeing things like, <laughs> and this is where I go off the deep end, right? Things like stargates, right? Um, resonant frequency. Well, you're kind not of off gateways. the deep end, bro, because we know 100% that number one, there's the re there's a reason why we haven't gone back. Number one. And number two, shout out to Freemasons. One of my co-hosts is actually a Freemason. So, and good friend. So nothing against Freemasons. And when we throw no, this shit not around, at all. it's just part of esoteric, you know, yeah. it's part of things that if you're not in that group, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of applies to every science and every, you know, every school of thought has its insiders. Yeah. It, it's, you know it's what I mean? Disciples, and, if you will. Right, right. And unfortunately, um, you know, they're, they're all kind of and we are all kind of taught to basically not intercommunicate with other schools of thought. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of duality. I mean, polarity is kind of a part of this world. It, it, honestly, it's what makes it so fun sometimes, <laughs> you know, just to have the ability to talk crap on somebody else. Imagine if you didn't have that in your life yeah. at all. Yeah. How many laughing, joking, enjoyable times have you had with a buddy? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, oh yeah, blah 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 about this group. Well, that's people, one of the things person, that right? defines us from right the reptilians. I keep getting this question a lot, like, oh, what do you really think there's reptilians? Yeah, I think that there might be some sort of reptilian being that is interdimensional or something. But I also talk about it in a metaphorical sense of the of the word, where it's it's these archontic forces that are at work in our daily lives that are trying to hold right, us back. Yes. Yeah, the archontic man. I, I like that. That's a perfect uh, way to say that. Or, oh man! Or well, yeah, I'm writing just, a book, bro. It's called "Deciphering the Archontic Matrix." So that's that's where that's that's stellar. I lost. Uh, so I I'd imagine that you've dug into David Icke's work and mm -hmm. and gone down that set of rabbit holes. Um, so yes, you're familiar with, and a lot of our listeners are familiar with the the thought process of higher dimensions, higher vibrations, different. Randy, uh, I like to look get, at it. Like, let's get like back to octaves. the Stargates, bro. Yeah, let's do that. So. <laughs> Imagine if, fascinates they me, bro. Imagine if they couldn't fly to the moon, right? If there's this barrier, this Van Allen belt, this whatever the hell, firmament, right? You want to call it. Um, so if we're in our bubble, right? Um, what if there is a way to reach one of these other bubbles, which we see as lights in the sky, whether it, the moon, you know, the sun, um, there's reference out there to the sun being some kind of portal that's suggestive that you can travel through it. So, um, and if we believe the sun is a star, 
and can also believe the sun is a portal, why couldn't stars also be portals? In a sense, I, I say in a sense because just because we see something, I think it's a, a kind of a shout out to the resonant frequency of wherever that actually is. And it's a different way to look at each star and, you know, each celestial body differently. Like you can't physically get there by flying a rocket up and landing on the thing. But um, because well, just, it's to add on to that, right. You, you said that the, that the sun is a, uh, might be a portal to another dimension. Johannes Kepler, which is the person who is most notable for uh, coming up with the idea that the planet's, orbit in an elliptical right johannes kepler and he worked mm -hmm. with right uh, he, he also quoted pythagoras's music of the spheres you have the gnostics thinking that every single orbit is a different dimension uh, johannes kepler believed that there were beings that were living on these light beings that were living on the sun so you have somebody who has contributed from the ancient times from the year 1400 or, or 1700 I, I of the mainstream nonetheless of the mainstream that who were mystics, who were known mystics, right? The Libnez that created binary code, Charles Babbage that created the modern day computer, all these guys that helped contribute to the mainstream beliefs were mystics, either Rosicrucians, right. either Freemasons, either whatever they were. They were part of these secret yeah, societies absolutely. who talked Manly about Manly P. This. Hall, hardcore mystic, right? Spells yeah. it out for us. Um, you know, it's, it's mind blowing. And I'm glad that you bring that up because not that long ago, we were kind of at an impasse as conspiracy theorists of of um, not being able to tie a whole lot back to, you know, uh, the mainstream, okay? But more and more finding out, like you're saying about Kepler, suggesting that there is something beyond this realm and there's something to this kind of higher look dimensionality. At Isaac, look at Isaac Newton, look at Rene Descartes, uh, the notable names in in society right isaac newton talked about you know he criticized uh Car the cartesian mechanistic universe theory that Rene Descartes came up with mind you who made the cartesian coordinate system which we all use today for everything in geometry analytical geometry geometry algebra calculus whatever you name it this is the guy who created that system that we use who was a mystic he was a mystic they were obsessed with being able to turn their ideas into the platonic solids for some fucking reason i don't know why but that's what they were all about now you have uh, uh isaac newton who came back and Rene descartes had the dualism right the dual mind and body theory which he understood that the body was one vessel the mind and consciousness was another uh, isaac newton came out and was trying to battle his mechanistic universe theory which states that matter and everything that we see is matter rubbing up against each other so everything is a cog everything is a wheel and isaac newton said no it's not what it actually is is and this is quoted by him in his in his work unintelligible unforeseen forces that are at work what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, you're not helping the cause, bro. You're only, like, right. what are you saying? Like, what are you saying, bro? And this is what he said. He said that he, he, Isaac Newton, he was, right. you know, a, again, another mystic and other people who are in these secret societies who understood the fabric of reality way better than the regular layman person. No doubt. And, and do you think that, that perhaps somebody like Isaac Newton, uh, his, his role may have been to kind of bridge this gap, right? Because there's a set of people that, don't believe, don't feel, don't think that the unseen realms even exist, right? So to kind of dumb it down and and then come out with the theory of gravity for these people. 
you know, for these masses, yes. right? You have to have something, a some name school to the of face. thought for the masses. Mm-hmm. You have to. The, the people that are not in touch with any anything energetic, right? Because think about it this way. We are at the tail end of a cycle of time called the yugas, right? We're at the tail end of one that's very material, very dense, okay? And we're kind of coming back into an energetic one right about the time uh, Einstein comes out with the theory of relativity is right when this transition happened from the Kali Yuga into the Dwarpa Yuga where we are now, right? This is based on, you know, Vedic texts and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this group of people coming out of this last epoch or this last very material age, right? But very mel- may very well have been actually the entire time humanity's dark age, the last like mm-hmm. 4,000 years. So coming out of that and coming into this energetic understanding Right. Um, this would have been a couple years, what, a couple or a few hundred years prior to Einstein. You had Kepler. You had, you know, all of these guys, these famous Italian physicists, mathematicians, and they would most likely, if they're any kind of mystic, be able to understand that the energies are changing. You know, they're they're going into a spot where, OK, we're going to have chaos. Second law of thermodynamics, though, right? Is it the first law where energy can only be can't be destroyed, it can only be transformed? Or is that the second one? Um, well, I know it's definitely in Einstein's theory of relativity because he says he, energy equals matter, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent on on all the laws. I haven't schooled myself on all that. Uh, but with as far as the up. trains of thought, yeah, no worries. As far as the trains of thought involved in kind of translating this information, like we we're saying, um, you have somebody like uh, Isaac Newton that's like, OK, we've got all these these masses right how are we going to school them enough that they can function in this realm but <laughs> but also being that he was most likely kind of part of the club right of, mm-hmm. of builders of, of freemasonry or for lack of a better phrase i understand that there are folks out there that that don't tie into the occult side of what's known as freemasonry and that's cool too but uh, anyway so you have to have schools of thought for everybody which is what you kind of see, if you look at the secret teachings of the ages, you see these very secular, smaller groupings of thought popping up as time goes on to kind of spread people out, essentially, you know, to not give any one person any of all the keys to the kingdom. So you got to keep it kind of spread around and then you're going to have people a step up in uh, clout, <laughs> right? In clout Gate, in this world. Right, that that are kind of actively managing so many schools of thought within themselves that they see the big picture and can work out ways to help these. And they, they always will think that they're helping the people below them because they are coming up with these processes to make all of our lives, right? Like the process of the social security, like everything, mm-hmm. as much crap as we talk on the system around us, think about this machine that's around us, this social construct right and the effort behind planning this out (laughs) setting it up right and so that that leads us to a point where okay now there are are folks like i consider myself that are outside any of these schools of thought but are piecing together what they can based on the information available through the internet which you know at first i was like oh the internet's just a surveillance tool right it's just all this you know doom and gloom kind of stuff but then you look at it like okay well this allows me the ability to surf the library congress from home it's a stargate randy 
you know <laughs> the internet is a stargate and into other it's a dimensional loop yeah there's yes. no way you and i can talk to each other real time unless it's through another dimension 100 percent quantum and, computing and what what you touched on earlier in the podcast where you said that mm-hmm. there's different ideas and they're all sort of the same thing i was actually having a conversation with chris from mensa podcast about this yesterday about he's like oh what about this what about that what about this and i go well dude i think they all have some sort of idea which is the same just reinterpreted differently and reiterated differently every single time so i think we're all right in this whole scheme of things but what i can't get behind is how you said this elaborate system the banking system which we know was created through alchemical processes you have the educational system again created by these elites who are in these higher societies uh, you have hierarchy, which was, again, is it's it's a system of dissimilarities, which are illusional and illusionary, which lead to to corruption and greed and mm-hmm. ignorance. Right. You have the the governmental system as well, which we know people such as Plato talked about it and they want certain utopias. You have Francis Bacon talking about it in the New Atlantis. You have these different ideas, but they all came about the founding fathers who were mystics as well and who had also a paranormal experience within the signing of the Declaration of Independence are the people who paved the way for the system that we have today, this democracy, quote-unquote, that we have today, and from that sprouted what we know the United States to be. Now, what I can't get behind is, right, we have all these ideas floating around. We have all these crazy conspiracies just being thrown around. How you said it's an elaborate system. So why hasn't anybody, and not, not saying that nobody has, really blown the lid on this shit? Randy, like that's what that's what I'm oh, saying. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, well, first of all, you have uh, you have the the way that it's built, and you and you have the power of it. Really, um, these these people that are in these these higher positions, these are modern day wizards, man. Mm-hmm. These are modern. They they are they are more than just you know just the 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 hierarchy these people are are engaging in so many different levels of persuasion right uh of magic really i mean when you really break it down i mean the way that people are manipulated into believing that everything is you know beautiful and peachy as long as they can go to walmart and buy a pizza or whatever right like so um i mean it's genius it's it's so far beyond unfortunately most people i think partially due to the fact that we're all poisoned from the time we're born mm-hmm. you know we we're all dumbed down poisoned i mean if you if you stop drinking the tap water you might be able to think a little clearer you know and things like this so there's a lot a lot going on which is why i think that it's it is an intricate and very kind of kind of complex system right i don't know that any one hand or one finger knows what any of the other fingers are doing compartmentalization is definitely key and why nobody's blown the lid off of this. If somebody blows the lid off of a small part, right? Um, well, I mean, I said that, but also you have people such as Helena Blavatsky and unfortunately people like Aleister Crowley, which I think really paved the way regardless. And I was talking to Mark about this today. I said, dude, you know, Aleister Crowley, he did what he did. He blew the lid on a lot of things that we know to be today that's occult. Without him, we wouldn't have a lot of things that we have today. It's like an example being the translations of Eliphas Levi that he translated himself. And also a lot of different magical practices that Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, all these elites practiced. But I just can't. I want to like Crowley. I want, I really do. But when you read about the shit that he did and what he was doing right on Loch Ness and all this, 
it is just vile. It is just dirty yeah. and nasty what he was it's doing to different people. level type dark shit. Yeah, <laughs> for bro, sure. You know what I mean? But like, but the thoughts that he had, right? And, and this is the the kind of crazy part about all this is the thought processes that he had were so profound that look at where they got today. Look at all the people practicing uh, based on his work, right? Um, and look at what what even if it's all for the the detriment of humanity look at the effectiveness of what he put across to people mm -hmm. you know so that you can look at it like manipulation or you can look at it like i prefer to as magic right it's you are essentially conjuring others beliefs in order to influence your own you know what i mean like you are <laughs> you are casting spells man mm -hmm. and he was all about that and so and he was obviously very skilled at it or he wouldn't be the person that we recall. Um, I mean, you ask a regular person out on the streets, most people know who Aleister Crowley is or was. And most people don't know how his work affected NASA <laughs> and JPL yeah. and any of these other things though, which is like kind of crazily going back to the moon thing, which makes you really wonder about the thought process that we all have built in through our programming that we a went to the moon b landed there and three brought people back right like all of these things we are taught from a very young age kind of not even suggested the pyramids very are deliberately the pyramids are tombs for it. pharaohs yeah 100 <laughs> percent. like all this so, shit that they talk about yeah yeah the world is uh the world is a sphere right of a certain circumference hey randy we'll are you that. a flat earther bro you know what? Here's where I sit with that, and I'm I'm pretty it's proud. It's a yes to, or no question, Randy. Not really. Not when you realize that it takes you observing something for it to become real. So if you're based on you know the double slit experiment observer effect, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm not there looking out at the ocean to see that ship like come and go across the horizon, and then all that shit doesn't exist. <laughs> so if if I see things as flat because that's how my perspective has to see it, then that's because I'm essentially manifesting it by looking at it. So it's not as simple as are you like I think shape is kind of stupid thing to argue about, to be honest with you, because I do think that if you say you popped outside of time real quick, now stepped out of the dimension for a second, you might very well be looking at a spherical bubble of time that encompasses everything that is this realm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um I don't know how the higher dimensions look because you wouldn't have eyes like we do. You would have your third eye wide open looking at things in a completely different dimension. So you could probably, you know, pick the thing up and spin it around and look wherever you wanted to focus your intention in that realm in that time and see it. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't necessarily even be, you know, a, an opaque sphere that is solid, you know, but I'm just thinking of it as a bubble in time. So I think that's part of where the, the thought process for it being a sphere maybe comes from. Some of these higher kind of experiences that maybe people have had with or without the help of hallucinogens. So and that's, that's where I'm at on the flat earth. <laughs> that's trippy as fuck too, though, right? When you take this substance and it makes you see things that you wouldn't normally see. So what else are you not seeing all the time? Like I tell people the eye can only pick up 0 0.0035 of the light spectrum. What right. about all the other light spectrum, ultraviolet, x-rays, all these things that Every, we don't all see? All of your senses are dumbed down, right? Like you're hearing, right? You only hear this certain bandwidth. Mm -hmm. you, you know, dogs can hear higher, lower. Other creatures can hear higher, lower, see higher, lower. Bugs have, you know, 
multifaceted vision. They can see UV rays differently and all of this stuff. So uh, that makes it kind of hard for me to understand why it's a far cry to think that some people can attune their, their minds, which is a giant, you know, receiver grill up here, just like waiting for energy to course in right from the world this is how we interpret things it's not just our internal process but it's also a receiver of galactic energies of things we don't understand apparently but uh that being said it's not a far cry for me to say there are other dimensions right there's got to be something behind what we see touch and feel um science has only outlined you know from spectrum of high ultraviolet x-ray light or, or microwave whichever's up here i think it's microwave all the way down to infrared right that's all we can observe but this is one octave right if you're familiar with music at all you understand what a, you know a tone a key and the octaves are yeah pythagoras was the one that came up with that so and i mean due to the fact that it's like integrated with mathematics mm -hmm. and and it's also lumped in with with music or sound applies to light also I mean, these are all different fractal essences of the same thing. And there are others. We just are not tuned to them. We have no way of figuring out how to tune into them. We're lucky enough to tune into x-rays via certain materials, right? Mm -hmm. um, and certain, you know, projection of certain beams and things. So kind of going back to the moon, you look at the moon and it, it, it resembles a kind of an x-ray. It's very gray and very white. It's kind of an interesting, you know, mm. contrast to it all. Um, and you go to the doctor and you break your wrist and you look at the x-ray and there's shades of gray and white and they're all inverse. And now right? that you so, come to think of it, that, I, honestly, you're blowing my mind right now because I didn't really think about that. But it's really the only sort of color that, right, like H.P. Lovecraft's color out of space. It's like its own its own shade of color that you really don't see anywhere else but on the moon if you really come to think about <laughs> right. it you know what i mean yeah for sure for sure and so uh let's just say that there's other rays beyond x-ray right that we we can't see we can't even understand that they're there these rays that they pick up with these buried uh sensor arrays in the mountains right they go into a mountain drill a hole all the way down and they drop a sensor in there to catch the photons that are supposedly coming from through the earth from the other side right mm -hmm. but what if they're coming from, yes, beneath our Earth, but what if on this next octave, right? This next octave of existence, oh, oh, right? You kind of go down a, an octave and you wind up in what's also been known as Agartha or, you know what I mean, inner Earth. Um, inner to us, but to them, we're, we're in heaven, right? We're, we're upper, yeah. upper class, right? So, although I think that in most cases, it's probably thought that in agartha everything is much better than up here you so. you touched on earlier about these you said that there was this interview that you saw right from from earth from the 50s or 60s something like that at, at the beginning yeah yeah it was uh in the late 60s i think uh, mid to late 60s and well, it was on national news one of the one of the the interviews that i haven't been able to find was with admiral bird right speaking of hollow earth because it's one of my favorite conspiracy <laughs> right. theories there is an there's a an interview that he did where he's warning people of the our real threat is these crafts that can move quickly from the North Pole to the South Pole at fast rates, right? That's going to be our threat. 
And I try yeah. to look back at that. I try to find that same interview back then, and I can't find it anymore. Not on YouTube. I haven't looked anywhere else, but I looked on YouTube because I had seen it before on there. But now you right. go back, and it's not there, right? And Admiral Byrd being a very decorated. Uh, yeah, the, but if you look forces. at YouTube, it's flooded with like the propaganda films from when they went on that expedition. Like, oh, well, now here are the soldiers with their dog, and they're you know what I mean? They're sled dogs learning how to sled. You know those old black and white propaganda. Mm-hmm military films you could find those no problem you know what i mean so so there's been a saturation of a certain type of information based on that subject and a you know disillusion of the rest pushed aside it's probably on odyssey or yeah you know, bit shoot or something but that's kind of a pain to dig through all those different channels You're talking about propaganda right and interestingly enough i'm working on, a, on an episode right now did you know that that Dr. Seuss worked on propaganda cartoons and the cartoons that he used in those propagandas, right? Where they have the, the, the swastika and all this stuff. And when they were uh, putting the Japanese, I believe in these uh, camps, he, right, he like did kind of demonizing them. Yeah. And, he did yeah. pieces of, of, and some racist pieces as well. Cause again, he was a product of his time, but the same art that he used for that, he used for the kids' art that we see in these Dr. <laughs> Seuss books. And, and I bring that up because there is a... I, f- I forgot which story it is, but one of his more well-known ones, where when you look at his art, it's very psychedelic. It's very alien-esque. It's very Lovecraftian, where it's like this shape that was obtuse, but uh, you know, behaving like an acute and all this stuff, like all this craziness that you just can visualize, just always moving. And you see that trippiness in his art. And he also, there, there's resemblance to, because you brought up Stargates earlier, resemblance to what looks like wormholes in his works and stargates you have arches in his work that again what are you hinting at there's windows that characters go through and they're coming in and out of these windows of different shapes and sizes so i do 100 percent believe you have a lot of different arches and gateways around the world that these ancient uh, megalithic sites where what is that oh, yeah. door there for? What is the purpose or, or of that those being? Victory, victory arches are the uh, biggest one. Um, uh, and I, I was kind of touching on this briefly with Mark last time I talked to him. Is those vic- victory arches, they have a magnetic resonance even today. Okay. Like even today, there's a noticeable uh, resonance there. And then if you look at the tops of the arches is or in Puma any of these Punku, old cathedrals. Where they have the rocks that are magnetic? Uh, those H-shaped yeah. rocks. Is that, that, is that Puma Punku? I think that's how you say it. Let me look it up. I, believe, I have a supercomputer um, right in front of me, and I'm not even looking. But at you know, ultimately, these these doorways, man, were everywhere, right? Like we see these cathedrals and and things like this. Maybe not the cathedrals so much. I think there may have been a different thing to those, but definitely like the Victory Arches. Um, you know, today it's symbolic to walk through a Victory Arch after a victory. But what if back, you know, when these things were geared up and functional? you would transport things and people from one place to another because these arches were all over the place they're massive too yeah i've had brian forster on the show before and he talked he he's been here quite a few times he actually lives in i believe peru or bolivia and right here you go here's a here's an arch archway <laughs> that leads to nowhere where where does this go then you have this here at, i believe that's quetzalcoatl or one of these uh, south american god demigods if you will 
and you have these archways everywhere along the world. I mean, they're 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 everywhere. And what were they? Well, used I mean, for? the uh, the royal palace in Switzerland, uh, or no, in Stockholm, Sweden. All right, you can still you can look up pictures of it online. Um, behind the throne is is an archway supported by some pillars, you know. Um, but there's a curtain draped over it, but it's a giant archway, a doorway. So what's it called? I mean, it, it's uh, the Stockholm. Uh, royal family or the stockholm royal throne room would probably be right here oh yeah right yes there. so so see behind that curtain there you got this this archway right and if you if you are able to look up like find another picture where it looks above the throne um like there's a second tier to it all and up, up here like, yeah See, it looks like they have the windows open at this one, but it looked to me like there's there's more behind that. And if that is a wall, what's the point there? You know, if there's a wall mm -hmm. right behind that, like there's on both of the other sides, or at one time was this all kind of open? Oh man, old architecture fascinates me. Um, just it's mind blowing, especially when you see like the kind of hidden fractal essence of everything. The sacred geometry is just amazing. Let, let's get into your cymatic star theory thing. I want to hear about that. Then we can talk about some Tartaria because that, that's what I really wanted to talk to you about. For about sure. Tartaria. For sure. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, that's what got me into all of this madness is, is kind of Tartaria, a little bit of flat earth there at first. Um, but so cymatics, you know, the study of sound and, and its um, kind of ability to manipulate matter, right? Um most people are familiar with if you have a speaker and you set some sand on it or some water and you play a certain tone, it'll create shapes, right? But there's a lesser known kind of fact about sound is if you have a bubble kind of suspended and I, I wish I had uh, pulled up and thought to pull up the, uh, the YouTube video on this. If you have bubbles suspended in a solution, like a liquid of a certain type, I forget exactly what it is. Um, and then you send a certain sonic frequency through this bubble of, of air or of gas. What happens is it heats up and it actually glows. Okay. And the temperature reading from within these tiny, tiny bubbles that are being hit with sound and being, you know, made to, to glow, to vibrate fast enough that matter in there to where it just lights up like an LED light. And it's apparently as hot as we are told stars are, um, but very small, just a small little little bubble. And um, this is kind of, for most people, kind of a stretch, but if you think about creation stories, right? The division of the waters is is a kind of a big, a big thing in almost all creation myths. There's, you know, the mm -hmm. an ocean an ocean of nothing. Adam or and Eve. Void. It comes uh, all, from I mean, yeah. So you have the the separation of the waters it was like on the second day or something. Mm -hmm. um, so just going with that that kind of school of thought of the waters above, the waters below. There's also more uh, more than that that makes me able to suggest that there is a type of liquid above us. Now, what type of liquid it is, I couldn't tell you, uh, but it may very well be just like I was saying, a different octave of, of our water, basically, like kind of layers starting over again up above us. Um, so maybe it's not so much a purposeful barrier, like to keep us in, 
<laughs> you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, oh, firmament, you mean to keep us in and keep us from like escaping because this is a prison? I like, think no, so. Maybe not, maybe not so much that, but uh, maybe, uh, you know, the ice wall in Antarctica might be our barrier or that's why there are so many, you know, <laughs> government agencies that won't let you go down there. And, and they stuff. meet it's, down there too, bro. Right. They love to go party down there with the aliens or the Pleiadians or Reptilians. whatever it is they're doing, you know. But uh, so, you know, think about if if there's just another layer above us like if it's infinite infinite layers of of realities kind of layered in on each other mirrored in and out and in and out forever like fractal universe right um Mm -hmm. most people that have you know indulged in in some mushrooms might understand kind of the feeling of what i'm saying but um apply that to a very material sense and you might have this kind of layering of dimensions so that being said this substance above right may very well just be kind of the the bottom floor of a different octave of existence just like when you go down to the bottom of the ocean here and you find these layers of an even heavier water right Mm -hmm. that's sitting in below that water and they'll try (laughs) to drive the submersible down into it and it won't yeah you've seen that that's crazy it won't go down and it won't yeah it just kind of bounces off of it much like when you see these rockets shoot up, <laughs> these SpaceX rockets, and they seem to smack into something shortly after they detach their second, uh, you know, their secondary booster, it flies off this way, and then you have it kind of slide across the sky and put out, it looks like rooster tail, like when you watch a boat race or, yeah. you know, something like that. So there's a very kind of aquatic feel to this space you know above us as opposed to a void very malleable if you will like like, right right waves a a tangible space not not a void not an empty untangible space um but and i think that that's why they refer to it as dark matter you know they they admit you know that more than half of the universe um probably closer to 80 or 70 percent of the universe Mm -hmm. is made of dark matter um but we don't know what the fuck it is yeah they just refuse to address like that that situation it has energetic mass maybe not mass like we're used to and matter in our octave you know of existence we've got matter and that's the say all and be all of substance right Mm -hmm. um outside of matter it's not substance it's not real that's our mindset that's how we're taught to approach all of this stuff it's like doesn't exist it's just in the movies or if it's something we don't understand like these waters above or this next octave uh, why not call it the vacuum of space so that people don't want to go and check it out, right? Yeah, and some people some people don't subscribe to the idea because I, I love the Gnostics, right? Early, Christi- early Christianity was crazy and just psychedelic. And a lot of people don't like the idea of, right, this, the darker aspect that the Demiurge has trapped us through cymatics, right? The whole Saturn time cube thing where Saturn, the, the Demiurge is, is shooting down these beams creating reality because we know cymatics and sounds and frequencies can create can manipulate matter so have you heard the frequencies coming from out of space they're crazy they're wild the frequencies coming off of venus and saturn are crazy off of everything man. off of everything even well i mean even out of like you stick a a couple of electrodes in a mushroom man and and you get their their musical Mm -hmm. energy which is very very similar to the stuff we're getting from space Right, like it has the same kind of chirpiness to it, and I think that we are a failed plant experiment. The mushrooms put us here to 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 spread their spores and to procreate, 
And I think we just got out of hand for them because if you think about it, bro, you can't <laughs> ever find anything in, in the world that has the range of a mushroom. This one can kill you and this one can turn you into Bigfoot if you take enough of it. And this one in the center tastes amazing. So there's this range, this crazy range with when it comes to fungi, and we know it's everywhere. The plants communicate with it. It's this network. It's a living, breathing thing. And yeah. here we are trying to uh, find out what's on the moon or what's on planet Saturn. What do we need a space force for? You know what I mean? Like all this stuff. Like what? <laughs> let's yeah. let's. I did an episode with Kyle from the Big Dumb Podcast and the, and my homies at Illuminati Confirmed. Where I said, why are we so focused on finding what's out there when on this world that we're on, there's things in our the bottom of our oceans that are super psychedelic. Like if you look at a manta ray on mush, uh, while you're on mushrooms, it's it's an alien, oh, dude, bro. That 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 photo, uh, uh, the bioluminescence uh, in the deep parts of the ocean, or even in the shallows, right? These bioluminescent mm -hmm. kind of little microscopic creatures dude i've gone swimming in the ocean at night and had just the whole water light up underneath wow. magical absolutely nuts so this is yeah like why don't uh, i always wondered that all right after jacques cousteau there was nobody for that field all they started saying was everything's dead fuck it you know mm -hmm. um there was nobody to investigate man i used to love looking at jacques cousteau's books what you know, is from the what does he talk sea. about i'm not familiar with his work just all deep sea creatures these mm. abyssal animals the anglerfish with the little light that hangs down the goblin shark yeah uh, yeah so i mean and then after him nobody else nobody else did that except james cameron you know went down to the titanic god only knows uh that's you know, the guy from avatar right that. yeah yeah he yeah. likes to go down there and, and look at Titanic. Well, and well I'm a fan of diving. Avatar, and uh, for the new one is coming out very soon, Avatar 2. Oh, man. <laughs> and supposedly he he made this crazy underwater technology for the filmings of their underwater scene. So you have a guy yeah. who wants to he's, be... He's all about submersibles. Dude, this guy is nuts. Like, I wish I had that kind of money to be able to go out there for, like couple million a day and you know to go drop a submarine into the ocean and go so he's probably the only person amongst anybody outside of like the science uh sciences that has even looked at any of this stuff or mm -hmm. you know had the ability and the drive to do this and i think that that's part of why we're all kind of kept in an economic despair because people are genuinely cu uh, curious you know mm -hmm. about the deep sea or the skies or space but, you know, you can't fly because FAA will ground you, right? You mentioned <laughs> the guy with the lawn chair uh, balloons who took off near an airport found that out real quick. Like, so you're not allowed to do any of that really awesome stuff that we would all love to do. We'd all love to go down in a submersible under the ocean, you know, but it's like freaking couple million a day to go out there and do something yeah. like that. And you mentioned or cathedrals at the beginning of the podcast, right? Where, again, it ties yeah. into Tartaria. I recently learned that. Uh, I believe it was either we were doing an episode on Falconelli and the mystery of the cathedrals. I believe it was. Yes, I'm and so glad you said that because I've been uh, searching for somebody to kind of speak on that with. Well, and, here's uh, the thing: I I recently learned that in these cathedrals, right, th talking about other dimensions, cymatics and stuff, people experienced time, sound, colors differently in these ancient cathedrals. And we have, again, they're all over the world, which ties into Tartaria of what they were doing, how they were doing things. But I, I found it so psychedelic that 
you're able to push a certain religion, bro. If you're pushing, you know, X religion, you know, Christianity or Catholicism, and you bring people inside this and they're doing the Eucharist or some ceremony or some hymns yeah, or, or whatever, or him, and him, they yeah. see it differently and hear it differently than they would on the outside Boom. world, yeah, they would think em. it's true. <laughs> you got them, dude. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an expanded kind of, uh, kind of awareness and a very susceptible, vulnerable state that you put people into by putting them into a different uh, octave real mm-hmm. quick, you know, uh, get them vibing a little bit differently and put them in there and then preach to them. Yeah. You're going to speak to their soul, like almost directly. Um, and I, you know, I think that, <clears throat> that these cathedrals, uh, a lot of them, if you look at, Oh, why am I drawing such a blank right now? Uh, all right. If you look at, a cathedral? Yeah, no, the, the guy that that uh, wrote uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't know his name, but I can look <clears> it up. But yeah, so anyway, you look at, at, at this guy and he talks about, you know, the hunchback being, uh, well, maybe he doesn't talk about it, but there's thoughts. <clears throat> Victor Hugo? Victor Hugo, yes. I recommend anybody go take a look at his work um, for some kind of insight on this transition that happened that led us to where we are today. Um, so there's the hunchback. He lives in one of these bell towers, right? Mm-hmm. He's um, obsessed with these bells and maintaining these bells and, you know, keeping the church bells ringing, the cathedral tower bells ringing. And um, he's also, you know, a hunchback, but he's a, a very large character. And so that's interesting. He also, from most points of view, has red hair, if I'm not mistaken. So that kind of speaks to the... Are you saying uh, he's a Tartarian, bro? Is that what you're trying to get? Hey, man. <laughs> what are you talking so about, bro? You're talking about language now. He's, he's about the last one, dude. And, and so that's why he's belittled, right? That's why he's put oh. down in his place. That's why they talk about him like he's a freak, dude. He's probably a beautiful, tall, you know, man with mm-hmm. lush, long red hair and, you know, the redheaded giants that were taught were Ooh. evil, right? In Native American lore, these redheaded giants are, are evil monsters, right? Cannibals and so on and so forth and um looking at tartaria and the scale of these buildings cathedrals included uh, i mean most old world buildings the scale is insane you walk up to one of these front doors sometimes you're half the size sometimes you're like a tenth of the size of these giant doors and and we're all like, oh yeah, it's it's for you know, it was fashionable at the time. I think mm-hmm. is what we say about it. Oh, you know? well, it was that. What was it? The the <laughs> that they were having making so much money from the gold rush that they needed to put the money somewhere. So they started building all these crazy architectures. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, it, all within you know seventy five years across the world, hundred years around the world. You know, because uh, we're pretty much taught nothing from before the War of eighteen twelve. You know, we're not taught a whole lot about the Civil War. I've got my own theories on the Civil War. I guess it kind of could tie into Tartaria in the sense that Tartaria was one state over here in Russia, right? You had Tartaria. And I think that <clears throat> calling the entire old world Tartaria kind of sucks because we've lost the verbiage to deal with it because we're currently sitting in the United States. So for us to look at the past and think that there was... Um, even more massive United States that spanned most of the world, right? It's kind of a foreign thought. It's like, no, USA is the first, right? We got that pride, that American pride that's mm-hmm. like, you know, no, we're we're the US of A, number one, you know, A number one, right? So so we've got that going on. And, um, you know, we've got this these founding fathers who are, 
you know, there's tons of information out there to suggest that they were practicing Lizards. in the occult. Mm -hmm. They were right. They were they were deceivers to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. They were they were shape shifting. They were portraying a picture of who the picture that who we see they are today is the portrayal they wanted to extend. One hundred percent, yeah. And so for them to extend that portrayal, how do you sit in a small hall in the middle of summer? on the east coast where it's freaking blazing hot you sit there and you what do you brainstorm you brainstorm for what four days two weeks whatever they tell us in school that they they were you know, meditating came up with bro the, it was a ritual <clears throat> right uh, or they could have been doing that but also could they have had this information prior to like the constitution right like you notice there's a lot of amendments to the constitution mm -hmm. the constitution by itself man offers us a beautiful existence just beautiful you know and then you've got all these amendments that start specifying so on and so forth okay well we're not going to do this and we're going to do this now so there's all these amendments which is interesting in itself but um then you have the bill of rights right like so you have these things we feel like we derive our freedom from these documents mm -hmm. now what if this is you know kind of speculation because it's just based on an idea what if there was a civilization before that we've come to call Tartaria that was really the United States. Okay. This spanned, like I said, most of the entire globe. You had kingdoms. You can call them kingdoms. City states is what they told us they were when we were in school, right? Um, Greek city states, Italian city states, uh, Roman city states. You know, they tell us of these dense pockets of population right uh that essentially had a governor right that's under roman rule where they had the governor that reported then you know to caesar so they've tell they've told us what the structure of the past looks like in a loose kind of sense these city states these pockets mm -hmm. of civilization okay but if you take it a step further knowing that you know the victors uh, always write the history so books his okay? story yeah Right. So you take that into account and think about the other side of the people that were in the War of 1812, the American Civil War. Uh, what was really going on there? I don't think we'll ever know, but it's definite, definitely a lot of push for us to think and feel a certain way about all of these wars. They almost don't even mention the War of 1812. They only mention Napoleon for the, the most part. You know, and I, I think that that's on purpose. It's a historical figurehead for us to focus on, focus on him being a small statured person, having an attitude, blah, blah, blah. So we got all these little distractions in our way when we try to look into this stuff. So so I'm suggesting uh, actively, uh, as a matter of fact, it seems <laughs> that the uh, United States was a worldwide kind of phenomenon and that this civilization uh, may have been cohabitated by more than one kind of group of people so we had the these larger people and then we had just what we would consider you know regular people like you and i uh, i'm not sure how tall you are but I've, i'd imagine you're within like a foot so you know what i mean <laughs> mm -hmm. we had a substantially different grade of variety of peoples uh, back in this time um i mean there's there's reference in Native American kind of legend and lore that there was a battle, a war with these redheaded giants, right? 
they, they call them monsters, you know, uh, they call them uh, evil, they call them cannibals and things like this. Um, and that's fine. That could have been their opinion. But, you know, imagine if you're a redheaded giant with a redheaded giant family. And you know what I mean? You're you're caretaking this cathedral or, you know what I mean? This this uh, city state of your own, maybe called Shilaga, right? And, and it's right where kind of Chicago now stands. And you're holding your ground and these people come over, these little people, lots of them. And you haven't seen them in like, you know, a couple hundred years because whatever cataclysm happened um, kind of screwed things up for everybody. And so, you know, people have been kind of sparse, but then all of a sudden you got this flood of people coming around the lands where you've been chilling for maybe a few hundred years, who knows how long. And you've got your city-state there in uh, Chicago also back in that day would have been called Chilaga. Um, I mean, even the Chicago Tribune kind of has an article. If you go type in Chilaga to your DuckDuckGo bar, you will find this article from from the Chicago Tribune kind of talking to bring about this up because I think Abraham Lincoln might have been a Tartarian, right? He was so tall for his time. He's six foot four, towered over all the other candidates and all this stuff. It may and... very well have been. And you know, if you know anything about the way that the power system does things, they will often usurp a certain line of people. Would you say to convince, convince some of those people, uh Chilaga with an eighth in there? And then Tribune? Yeah. Well, of course, it doesn't want to pull up. But check this building out, bro. I mean, the... yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and it's everywhere. And none of the stories make sense. None of the, like, if you go to look into these architects, right? Say you find the name of that architect to that building, and you go look into it, you might have like a couple paragraphs on this person, mm -hmm. right? But look at that. Look at that. Yeah. That that work there right sold for I mean, 240 me million dollars back in that's crazy yeah i mean i was just looking at the the article that they were talking about shilaga as the mythical kind of like old world city that was like you know just a beautiful like city of gold type thing right and um like it was a spanish myth basically you know that that in the lands uh right around where chicago is was a, a city called shilaga and had beautiful and was golden and all of this, the golden city of Chilaga. And it's on maps from the, the 1500s. Um, and it's where Chicago Chilaga. is right now? Yeah. So um, let me see if I have. Yeah, hey, ain't, ain't nothing pulling up for me, bro. But I mean, that's yeah, that's, how that's it works. weird. That's really crazy. Um, but yeah, let me see if I can. Well, did, wasn't this, this where they had here. the Chicago World Fair too? I mean, that's one right. of the main things. So, so it's, it would sit right there. Right, exactly. It would sit right where that white city is, right? Right where all of that stuff, you know, thrown out there. So so look at that. And then look at the scale of all of these buildings in the white city there, the World's Fair in Chicago. Okay. Well, we I have mean, El Dorado and I pulled up the Golden City Chilaga myth. We have El Dorado, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not by... <laughs> by chicago <laughs> no no it's it's most likely uh to be quite honest most of the cities in what's now known as the united states may very well have been these old school golden just beautiful cities like this right like this uh <laughs> insane architecture you show this to somebody this. bro and and they'll be like oh that's like italy or or france or something it's like right no, this and this chicago. was everywhere venice california used to look like venice italy Back before they started renovating and stuff. So look at the scale of everything. Look at that. Look at that. 
Yeah. The scale of all of that does not make sense, let alone somehow they cast all that concrete and stuff with horses and buggies. Yeah. And then they so, tore it all down. 98% of it got torn down. Yeah, and what didn't get torn down, a cow knocked over a candle and burned down the entire city. So, I mean, they're not even trying, dude. They're, they're not even trying. But look at that portal doorway, right? Yeah. And if, you, if you're hip to mud flood, imagine if that doorway extends all the way down to the bottom. Imagine how huge these places are. And then the lights, too, was another one. The lighting. Yeah, right lights. at the right at the very beginning of electricity. They they pulled this off worldwide, mind you, like year after year for something like 15 or 20 years. This is wild to me, bro. I love this theory, but then you bring it up to some people and it's like flat earth. They don't they don't want to accept it. Like, oh well, what's your where's your proof? I go, what do you mean, bro? Look at this. Look at this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And see, going kind of back to cymatics, in each of these towers back when they were, you know, originally in use. There would have most likely been a set of bells, massive, massive bells. Okay. So these bells would, would chime, maybe not just to, to chime the time, but maybe, maybe to provide what we've come to realize very recently as uh, sonic healing. You know, this is a practice starting to take off in medicine, in real life with real provable shit for people. You know what I mean? Like, like, Hey, you can prove that you can go to a uh, practitioner and they can use sound therapy San on you Francisco. to heal you. It's everywhere, everywhere. See, the ones in the California's look a little bit more kind of Moorish, though. You see the, mm -hmm. the shapes of the roof are a little bit more kind of tapered. Um, I mean, look at the Iowa State House. I live in Iowa, dude. I go and check this thing out all the time. It looks just like one of these buildings. Unbelievable. And these are in every state, dude. Whoa. There's one like this. And that's a gold dome on there. So think about these cities spread out everywhere. Imagine if they all had these gold and copper domes. Tell me that wouldn't look like a city of gold to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, bro. And, and this is something <laughs> that th this is, you know, the World Fairs, what a lot of people don't know is that, they, like you said, they were everywhere. They were all over the world. And the, the, yeah. the late 1800s, early 1900s is su such a psychedelic time in history because you have Nikola Tesla in there. You have Crowley in there, too. You have all these figures of throughout history who are who were innovators right who who pushed forward these ideas you have edison you have westinghouse you have jp morgan you have all the all right. the lizards except for nikola tesla well, I think. and I, I think what's what's interesting is once you're open to this kind of rabbit hole of wait a minute how in the hell did we build that right like and there are no pictures of that uh iowa state house any more than half built like it was about three quarters mm -hmm. built it looked wrecked to me you know, it looked burnt and kind of messed up. And they're trying to say that that picture is while they were building it. It didn't make sense to me. The color gradients in the stone, things like that. Um, maybe I'm, you know, just crazy, but maybe I have a keen eye for the stuff that just doesn't fit. You know, after a little while, you start to recognize the patterns a little bit. <laughs> talk about the Star Fort. So I found this place, right? Because I have a house down in Miami and there's this is a Fort Jefferson here in Florida. I'm from Florida. And yeah. When I looked this place up, when I looked it up, because right, we have St. Augustine as well that has the same sort of structure. Yeah, right in the middle of the ocean. I, right? I was, <laughs> dude, this is literally, you need a boat to get to it. And it's it's the craziest thing. Let's look it up here from... So I looked it up and I told my wife, I was like, hey, I want to go here one day because this looks like a star fort from Tartaria. And she doesn't know what the fuck that is. So, of course, she's right. like, what? What are you talking about? But this place here, dude, 
It is literally unbelievable. And, and you know that that's that's more than 16 million bricks, right? Yes. Like they they just took these out here to the middle of the ocean for what? What do you <laughs> You know, I mean, if you even if you have cannons out there, I guess that would be useful, but pan look back. It, look at where it's at, look bro. At, look at where it's at. Yeah. What are you doing out here? It's not defending any kind of a harbor or anything, dude. What are you, what are you doing? Look at this. This is at the end of the keys and then boom, right here. Look. look Wait, at this. yeah. This is so, wild, bro. Like, even if you don't think mud flood happened, there's water covering up what maybe used to be exposed, right? So so if the water level rises, the whole water table kind of rises on mm -hmm. the entire planet somehow. You know, some will think that it's the the heavens, the gates of the heavens opened and the waters above came in. Maybe, who knows? But, I mean, you know, these things were not, I guess what I'm trying to say is they were not out in the middle of the ocean alone like that hundreds of years ago they would have been connected to a causeway which you can kind of see the remnants of you know there um but nuts and dude every state has a state house that's equally if not more magnificent check this out bro this is my favorite right here when when they were transporting them via barges yes <laughs> yeah this guy's a freemason look at that right there uh let's see here yeah, but look at this. How beautiful is that? And they just tore it all down. There's only like, what, two or three buildings left from this. And this spanned for like, I don't know how many, uh, I think six or seven miles, I believe it was that the, that this spanned. Bro. It, yeah, it was It was something. Um, I think the one in San Francisco was 700 acres, something like that. And the one in Chicago was bigger. And then the one in Paris was even Tennessee. bigger. Tennessee, look at this. A pyramid. They have a pyramid. They have a yep. pantheon looking thing in there, Memphis. dude. Like a... Yeah, in Memphis. And Memphis is, you know, if you know about Egypt, you know that there's a Memphis, Egypt also. Oh, it's yes. very, very suggestive that the U.S., the, the America that we now understand, was more than likely the quote-unquote biblical Egypt, okay? Because it lines up better when you start taking those tales and, you know, you start looking at the landmarks, the land masses, things like... Um, Mount Sinai most likely not being, you know, out by Mount Ararat in, in Egypt, but it talking about the landscape differently and everything else within these old texts. So that's just, you know, one of the thoughts. But then if you look at look at our dollar bill, right? Look at the all-seeing eye there. Look at the obelisk in Washington. Look at these pillars in every single state. Like next to the state house, there's a pillar with the um oh, I don't know what goddess it is. It might be like suggestive of Mithra. You know, um, kind of like the Statue of Liberty, but there's always this oh, yes. goddess perched atop this pillar. And and I mean, they're in, ask Mark, he'll tell you they're in Connecticut. They've got these massive pillars with the statues on top. They're always gold or bronze. And uh, so, I mean, these people are kind of rubbing in our faces that they, they are Rome. OK, like Rome didn't die off. You know what I mean? Rome just took over, rebranded itself into the corporatocracy. You know what I mean? Um, that's why they called the club of Rome <laughs> mm -hmm. and all that. So, so basically like what we consider Egypt, they've set aside a little piece of land out in the middle East to have us focus our attention and say, Hey, this is Egypt right here within these borders. So whenever you see any reference or hear of anything having to do with Egypt or, you know, the six Alexandrias over there or any of that stuff, you look here. You don't think about anything else anywhere in the world, but just right here where we tell you to focus your attention to. 
you know, instead and therefore of therefore it becomes at, true by focusing all the all the 100%, thoughts yeah. on on borders that they put there, like borders that yeah. they built, these lines that they put there that nobody yeah, you were else talking puts. about social constructs the other day, and it's it's right on with that. Um, this is the mechanism that they've used to expand their borders so exponentially that they have taken over what I consider that used to be the United States, essentially of the world. These were free people that stood for their own rights. They had the constitution that kind of essentially mirrors ours. Um, and that's where I feel these, these concepts and ideas kind of shown through. And then the club of Rome comes over through uh, certain societies, secret and not secret corporations, the East India company. I mean, you name it, dude. Like they, they built this mechanism for not just conquering, but ruling and, and kind of dominating like all in the same, same thing, but they call it different thing. They call it corporations and then they call it government, right? What does government mean? It means govern your mind. So, you know, that's all the government's job is, is to convince you of something. <laughs> that's it like convince you you pay taxes and you do pay taxes <laughs> you know convince yeah, simulacra you. money's fake everything is fake and it's how david ike says you know it's one thing being in a prison where you can touch and feel the bars and there's another thing being in a prison where you can't see the bars right it's all the same thing essentially but that's what they've you know a lot of people do they they just subscribe to these ideas they 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 f blindly follow them why because oh because so-and-so said so. Well, what makes the president the president, bro? Because a bunch right, of people yeah. said that You're they came together. You're going to take an experimental uh, on, procedure bro. for what? Come on. You know, like, you, you need to show me more than just uh, a Newsweek saying it's okay to. Like, that's that's mind-blowing to me that that got as far as it did or that any of it really does. But it speaks to the power of persuasion, you know, and and the art that, <laughs> that these wizards are actually casting these spells on us. It, it is an art, you know. You can consider it a dark art, but it is an art nonetheless. Well, let, let, let's, you know, you're talking about cymatics, you're talking about frequencies and all that. That's why Plato's The Republic, or Republic, where he talked about the effects sound and the arts had on a people. So he wanted to limit the instruments that they use, the arts that they practice, because it spoke to people's souls, whatever that mm -hmm. is. But he even understood this. And you're talking about a piece of work that the Nazis took. And even Martin Luther King Jr. took, and there's a those are two polar opposites groups of people and the movements yeah. that they led, but took the same piece of work and interpreted it completely different. So again, back to the I, I said on a podcast one time, I said that the magician stage just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more resources that they have at their disposal. They're gonna make all these movies like The Matrix or Fight Club, which if you notice, they haven't made any movies as cerebral as those movies it was like a different time right the yeah the, it was before late, everyone yeah. started waking up man so yeah. so they were pushing the envelope to get their karmic balance and um like even the new matrix was kind of it's garbage kind of it was dialed in with their agenda of transhuman and transgenderism though. also yeah. like it was like it was like no now they're getting along with the machines it's all good <laughs> it's <Yeah>. cool <laughs> it's all good Just but then you have it. people like elon musk bro that i don't even know where i feel where i where i stand with them because it's like I'm a big Elon Musk fan. You think that he's for the people, but then he wants to hook you up to Neuralink. So it's like, what are you trying to do, bro? You you're talking about summoning the demon when you you know talk about AI, but then you want to plug us in. What's your deal? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And you know what what the deal with him is? Is it's just, uh, dude. That's he's he's playing. We're all actors, man. We are all coming down Truman here. The Truman Show. 
we've all come down here to play a character, you know, maybe I chose to be who I am today, which is, you know, not a power player. Uh, maybe you chose to be who you are, you know, before you kind of came down and were born. Um, maybe we all choose, right. And we all have roles and, you know, maybe it's like total recall, basically, mm -hmm. you know, you go and you sit down and you're like, you know, I want to, I want to be a secret agent, you know? And then like you're a secret agent, but you, you're, you don't start out as a secret agent. You're born. Then you live through the childhood of that secret agent. And you know what I mean? You go to high school that that secret agent went to, and then later you become a secret agent well, or whatever it is. Frederick Nietzsche, he talked about the eternal recurrence where it was pretty much like life is a DVD is like that true detective show where everything that is that is about to happen has already happened and you will repeat it for eternity always and always and always and life is like a dvd because when you play a dvd back over it the same things happen over and over and over again and people don't change the lines people don't change what they do it's the same thing over and over again but step back who's watching that dvd who's playing that dvd Right, Who's fucking right. around with the DVD player? Yeah, in my opinion, it's it's your higher self. You know, it's it's your oversoul. You know, the the unified you, right? That that may very well contain all of us here, right? So when you start thinking about other dimensions, um, not only is is the experience of a different dimension going to be kind of different than our on our octave, but just the way that information is collected, like I was saying earlier about the senses and perspective. So all that's going to shift and become something we cannot even fathom, you know, down here in little old earth. But um, so, so the cymatic kind of qualities that are, are just striking are the quality of uh, the ability for sound to vibrate something and resonate it so that it glows. You know what I mean? Within a bubble, like that's mind blowing to me. So just imagine if there was this song, right? The song being sung, uh, the in music this of the spheres, bro. Right, right. <laughs> so, and I mean, you look at you look at um, Genesis stories, right? It doesn't matter, you know, origin stories for anything, Lord of the Rings included, right? You look at these stories, and it always starts with what the word, right? So that that's inferring mm -hmm. uh, vibration, sound, that's yeah. inferring sound. So coming through with that word, that sound, that that music, like very much like it is in the Lord of the Rings origin stories, it's a symphony. Okay, and we have these signals, these different phenomena coming from space, and we can record to to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. We capture them through the space tel the Hubble telescope, whether it's sitting up there on a Mercury vortex engine hovering or not, is up to you know NASA. I don't really know, but may very well be. That's my opinion. Or either that, or they suction cupped it to the top of <laughs> whatever this a is. A GoPro, you know? dude. A GoPro. Yeah, dude, that's all it is, dude. It's just a GoPro stuck up to the firmament up there. But um, yeah. So just the quality of sound to do all of this, man. Um, I, you know, it almost looks like light is a form of sound. If you're kind of with uh, the school of thought of different wavelengths, fractal existence. You have light, sound. They're two different sets of the same kind of thing you know um and you have matter which is a denser kind of sense right so you got like matter and then you have sound and then you have light which is also sound and then above that you will have a different type of sound a different octave rather so you've got this kind of octave layering uh, much like density layers you drop a heavy stone into water it sinks mm -hmm. you know you, you drop a balloon into water it floats 
So you kind of have this this law of density. If you want to call it gravity, call it gravity. You know, whatever. I'm mad at you, but um. So if there's that that density gradient here, why wouldn't we just have one? You know, what we consider above or below or very well right here, right now, next to us in the unseen realm in a different density is an entire other existence going on 100%, that we just can't bro. see. I believe that. So absolutely. Um, so some people call it spirit realm, right? Mm -hmm. Some people call it, uh, you know, aliens uh, even can be lumped right in with spirit realm and cymatic kind of energetic things. Um, there's a lot of suggestion that like Pleiadians and these different space people have light bodies, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of, you know, it's like a different phrasing for angels. Mm -hmm. You know, it's angels isn't as popular nowadays. So they're like, okay, so how do we portray this to people? Oh, okay, everyone's cool with aliens? All right, let's go with that. You know what I mean? So it's kind of just speaking to the the sheep in the group. That's like what all of this whole system and everything's for. But getting kind of back to Tartaria, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting things about what happened, like what fell this civilization, right? Like did these... Did these people that are in charge now, did they create some kind of a cataclysm that, that kind of created this mud flood and and these this dust bowl, these like sandstorms? global and, warming, bro. Well, and they're exactly, you know, why not? Or global cooling. Who knows? Yeah. Global weirding. There you go. Yeah. That, that was the one that we were going with for a while there. Hey, global weirding. Is that it again? Uh, I definitely think that's right. So, uh, yeah, you've got this this. Thing that happens right we're pretty much not told about it there's suggestions in the bible about the end of days right before the tribulations where this comet comes and wipes out a third of the ocean you know mm -hmm. turns a third of the ocean to blood or whatever and like does all this crazy stuff upturns mountains right like just flips the ground over so was this a pole shift was this you know if, if there are poles <laughs> that yeah. is you know i know there's tons of flat earthers out constantly there like, shifting too that was another you know, thing yeah it's moving so it's just a magnetic you know vibration it's just the resonance is changing always um just like we are all individually in our own selves changing resonance everything that we learn everything that we do we're changing our vibration throughout our life so mm -hmm. like what we see happening on the outside is also going on like within us it's crazy man. as above <laughs> so below bro as within so without certainly um and it's all part of this fractal design mm -hmm. you know um and, and it's in all aspects so you can't just look at it as material things above and below you can look at it as like oddly enough spiritually and emotional things within so without so like as you start looking at yourself and chewing through your own skeletons in your closet throwing them out you know getting over stuff you'll start to see that you meet people that are also over their shit. So it's, it just, it works that way. It's a fractal existence. That's part of the like hidden meaning of fractals is it's not just a visual design. You know, it's not just a mandala that you see when you're on LSD. It's not any of these specific little things that it also is a representation of, but it's not any one of those things. So what happened to the vibration here? You know, that the resonance that screwed everything up and like, created this this mud you know or this uh just mass cataclysm because if you look at some really old pictures of pretty much everywhere in the world there's always these old ruins right mm -hmm. like everywhere and they're massive massive old ruins you got easter island these massive heads and they're buried 
you know they they were buried like halfway up you know up, up to like here they've got whole bodies underneath their heads yeah. you know what i mean so where did all that mud and stuff come from uh there's kind of a line of thinking that i think is is pretty legit and makes the most sense to me and that is that if you look at from from satellite uh images i won't say space i don't want to offend people <laughs> but from satellite <laughs> images uh if you look at rivers and you look at an electrical scar, like if you put water on top of a piece of wood and, mm -hmm. and electroshock it, it creates this fractaling. Branch, so look at Mars, right? bro. The same thing with Mars. Where, where... So, yeah, you, you see this, this, it looks like a lightning bolt, right? Mm -hmm. Like running across the ground, very much the same as if we do it in the lab. That's what happens. So we see some areas of the world, like Bryce Canyon in Utah. We see the Grand Canyon. We see, like, look at the mountains of China. How the hell <laughs> did any of that happen? You know what I mean? So we see lots of crazy things with land masses around the world that we're kind of told, oh, well, that was just the ground underneath pushing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which may oh, very yeah, well have happened. Beautiful. Um, but, like, in, in China, those mountains just don't make sense, man. It's nuts. How did that happen uh, unless it was something very violent, right? Rainbow, this Rainbow gradual... Mountains, too. That's crazy. Rainbow Mountains. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that uh, have been looking into mining, hydraulic mining in particular, and things like that. I'm going to start getting into that real soon. That's a rabbit hole in itself. That perhaps these larger people that were here before, and maybe even the larger people above them, remember thinking fractals now, fractals in scale also, as as well as realities and things like this. So, you know, imagine if uh, now those larger people, they're not here for whatever reason. Did they did they die off? Did they move on? Who knows? We'll, we're never going to find out. There's some evidence that there were giant people, um, but the Smithsonian's, you know, swept all that under the rug. So we won't touch that this episode. But, like, uh, as far as mining goes, like, look at those deposits in straight lines, right, uh, across that entire valley. Mm -hmm. And they're all different layers of different materials. So it's it's just nuts. And if you look at modern mining operations, you'll start to see the kind of resemblance in some of these like piles of, you know, mine waste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here so in Florida, it, bro. So, you know, was that cataclysm all mining out of, of the world? What did that look like? How did this happen? Um was there a giant spaceship that came down and just electrozapped the shit out of the Grand Canyon? Or uh, was there like the Indian Vedic texts? This is my favorite kind of way to look at it. Like the Vedic texts, was there a war in the skies mm -hmm. between, between cousins, these flying yeah. cities, right? Flying cities, Vimanas. These things, they had technology where in the Vimana, they could see what was going on in the other Vimana. Oh. So that's exactly what you and I are doing right now. You know, um, and this is written, you know, supposedly thousands and thousands of years ago. What the fuck, bro? Hold on, hold on. I gotta, hit, I gotta hit it. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, bro. This shit blows my mind, dude. Because like, yeah, these ancient scriptures that they talk about all these things, it's like we can't ignore that. We can't ignore the fact Absolutely. that they were talking about all this craziness about these. And you got the well, movies like Transformers. You've written seen... in Sanskrit, you know, um, a perfected language. Yes. Uh, Joseph Selby was kind enough to share with me the other day that that was the biggest part to him. And, and he wrote the book on the time cycles called the Yugas. So, I mean, in these ancient texts, 
man, there's suggestion to all of the answers to all the questions we all have. What happened? How was it back then? Based on these texts, you know, 12,000 years ago, magic would have actually been a thing. You would have been able to manifest things mm -hmm. by essentially chanting something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what's suggested in these ancient texts. And based on what we see in like old etchings, this is another thing I want to talk to you about is some old etchings, man. You can't find pictures earlier than like the 1800s, you know. Um, but what you do find is renderings, right? Like these artist renderings, but they're etched. So they have a very specific kind of penciled in kind of look to them. Um, but they're very detailed, you know, very detailed. And you can find them from as far back as like the 1500s, I think, is right about the earliest they go. There's really not too much before, you know, supposedly Columbus landed out here. There's not a lot of stuff from the 1400s. Um, Michelle Gibson puts it very interestingly uh, that that perhaps this control structure didn't actually take hold until about the 1500s. And that's when everything started getting rewritten and destroyed and, and blah, blah, blah. But back to the aliens flying Vimanas and zapping the world with laser beams or, or whatever. Uh, was it that? Um, or... Was there some kind of plasma event, right? Um, we're coming to find out more and more that the sun may very well be a type of plasma. They have plasma reactors. Uh, the Sapphire reactor is one of them. I think they have it up in Canada where this thing behaves exactly like the sun. It's a self-organizing ball of plasma mm -hmm. that looks exactly the same as the sun does up close. That they've, that they've modeled, that they've done under tests as well. That the Chinese were, they made a sun. Did you hear about that? They made like yeah, artificial yeah, sun. Yeah, it's wild, dude, wild. I, I wonder what that's all about. But so like, uh, imagine that the sun is part of an electric circuit. I don't think that's a far cry for most people at this point, you know, realizing that, man, just based on the angle of light coming through clouds, if you can't figure out the sun's a lot closer than we're told, I don't know what to tell you, at least based on observation. <laughs> Again, back to observation, because... uh you know, we each have our own. So. Yeah, no, 100%, bro. And, you know, you're starting to get into Electric Universe Theory, which I would love to have you back on for that because I'm, I'm kind of running low on time right now. I got another no worries, podcast. Dude. Yeah, it, it all, dude, it all ties in, man. And that's that's why I started Red Thread Podcast, man, to try to figure out all this. And the more I learn, dude, the more I realize I don't know nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing at all. It's so definitely it's a rabbit awesome. hole, bro. It's always awesome to chat with with everybody about all of this stuff because, dude, it's it's just all of the unseen, the esoteric. It's so incredibly interesting. Like, I love it. You know, I haven't been bored a single day since I started looking into Tartaria, especially. Yeah. But so. So, yeah, man, very may well have been uh, an electric kind of event that just, well, look at the Grand Canyons. Look how deep they are. Right. Look at how wide they are. Where did all that dirt go? Like, yeah. really? Yeah, where to go? And I say we, I say we do another episode, Braun, just straight electric universe theory, and we set that up and absolutely and dive down <laughs> that, that sounds wormhole. great, dude. Because I, I love that, I love that idea, and you know, again, that's what the gods were to the ancients that they were being portrayed as plasma in the sky and all this stuff. Yeah, that's how you get these epics. Right, it's a personalization mm -hmm. of of something beyond our explanation, you know. Yeah, Randy. So, so. How, how else to categorize it? Yeah, for sure, dude. Hey, thanks for getting with me tonight, dude. I really appreciate it. It was an amazing conversation. I love it. Well, I'll have you back on soon. We'll set that up. And yeah, that, that was that was something. Can you let the listeners know where you could where they can find your work? Yeah, for sure. I'm Random Randy. I'm in the Red Thread Podcast. So you can just look up Red Thread Podcast. Uh everywhere except for Apple. I'll get on Apple soon enough, though. That's all right. 
And uh, you can look me up on Instagram at random fracts. So I appreciate you once again, one and uh, go ahead and shout out your podcast too. So for my audio, it's at the one on one podcast. Find me anywhere on social media, the one on one podcast, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all the good stuff, all the lizard stuff. And yeah, patreon.com slash the one on one podcast. And dude, this was fun, man. A lot of crazy insight, a lot of interesting (laughs) points. And we got to do this again soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Good night. You too. credit card bill.